You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. This podcast was recorded June 2nd of 2021. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today with us we have uh, Ocho, musician, friend, his reputation precedes him. If you're in Mankato and you haven't seen Ocho, then I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> also, our most uh, mentioned guest on the podcast, for sure. Oh, that is true. <laughs> I think by a wide margin, you've come up more than anyone oh. else. So it is long overdue that we have you here. And uh, let's just like get into it with what's going on right now. What do you have coming up in the near-term future? Uh, well, I've been getting back out on some patios now that uh, people are allowed to perform out in public again. I've been doing like one show a week, and I got that through the warm season, like through September. So uh, first show I got is Saturday the 26th at Buster's, and that is with Evan Masters is going to be performing at the intermission music. This one's actually indoors, so it's a bit of a, of a raw introduction. But then on the 30th, uh, this month I got uh, the 507 patio with O'Shate being the intermission act, which is uh, myself and Shane Adams, as you know. So been getting back out with other people. I'm also playing all of my shows. I'm incredibly lucky to uh, have Kyle Hansen playing bass with me because uh, he's a beast on the bass and he's just incredibly good to work with. So he will not, he won't, turn up too loud he won't be too quiet he learns all the songs real fast oh he's a well-mannered bass he's player perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kyle hansen kyle hansen yeah he used to play with cjs in a funk back in the oh, day oh i know i know who you're talking yeah. about now they had a there was another band that was showing up for a little while to open mic too yeah. um it was like a two-piece or a three-piece maybe yeah he and, and ben wyman mm-hmm. ben would play drums and sing and kyle would play bass and uh yeah, yeah. I'm, i forgot the name of that group though but um yeah and you were mentioning a little bit earlier that there's these shows are going to be a little formatted a little bit differently than some other things you've done yeah in that um well kyle's going to be with me and and other special guests so um you know before covid um i was definitely more since this is my profession um i was focused on and it doesn't pay a lot I'm getting sort of like the most amount of money I can out of a gig. So if they're like, hey, will you play at at a solo acoustic patio gig? I can get more money because it's just me. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yes, I will do that and and leave it at that. And if it's three hours, I play three hours. Um, But I mean, just having this time off this year where I haven't really had any performances, I got a perspective of like, well, um, taking care of myself would be a good idea. So maybe not playing for three hours straight um, yeah. is a good idea. And it definitely is um, for my voice and for my just well-being in general. I, I can get kind of cranky because I wear myself out, you know. So I'm kind of it's like a hangover for the next couple of days. Yeah. Because um, I like to give it my all at the performance, you know. So um, still doing that. <laughs> I haven't stopped giving it my all, but... But I got uh, these intermission acts, and I also got people supporting me on stage. So I got Kyle. I had uh, Melody Taylor playing percussion with us. Uh, she played with Organic Cowboys and uh, some other groups, I think. Um, so she was playing with us last time, and uh, 
We also had a group I've been working with even during the pandemic because uh, my wife is in it, so we're in a pod. And uh, and Star McKenzie, we're called Sorry I'm Happy. So we've we've been doing that three-piece. We got some cool stuff on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's Ocho Tunes on YouTube. Um, but we, yeah, we, we played at our last 507 gig also. So getting a lot of people on stage with me. Yeah. Um, is, is Sorry I'm Happy a new name for that group or is that something that's been... Because I've seen that group play yeah. before in practice, but I, I yeah. didn't know it was the name. Yeah, pretty new. They, before it was like we, they were Nirvana's backup singers. Oh, know? okay. So we still do all the Nirvana songs, but we do originals and some other covers too. So. Yeah, there's kind of like a lot of bands like orbiting Ocho. So like it, it's kind of... Like when when you when you say an Ocho performance, that is like your solo work, yeah, specifically. And like, what what are the things that you like to focus on the most when it comes to like something that you would define as Ocho? Um, well, like, I think that is songwriting is a big part of it. Um, it's become less since I've done more, been kind of more of an entertainer and been getting paid for that. Mm -hmm. um which is another thing i kind of wanted i want to kind of go back to because i noticed you know it was it was more of a myth in my head that like if i play covers and stuff people will like it better it isn't it isn't really true or maybe it was for a while but it isn't true now i mean the the reaction's the same i think i think people want to hear some recognizable songs and then um on on some level like maybe what people want to hear is up to me in some way. Yeah. I, I think there's a little bit of that that I sometimes get coming from, like there's this idea that if something is original, that it should be a be better or appreciated in some other way. Yeah. And like, as long as you deliver it with the same kind of like expectation that it's entertainment and people are just there to have fun. I think mm -hmm. people like it, mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes you can just feel like a vibe of like, this is to be, you know what I'm talking about? I, I like there are some people who <laughs> definitely like are part of the audience for their own work as they're performing yeah. it, and I think it's that's where precious. that that's the word I would use is precious. Like, yeah, I think that's yeah. where that misconception comes from because people do just want to be entertained, yeah. and I don't think that that uh, having a cover in there is necessary yeah. to do it. You know, as long as it's yeah. entertaining. Yeah, and I've gotten much less precious about my own work. And I think about everything, which is probably good. I just like, it's always been like kind of funny and not serious. Like even, even the stuff that's serious has less serious elements to it. Um, because that's how I present in life. And it, it definitely gets into the songwriting. The songs aren't necessarily about me, but they might have my attitude of being sarcastic or, or just pointing out some kind of irony or, uh, wordplay or something like that like that is that is not serious but but still like i used to say there's a lesson in a joke in every song so it's like it's like that it's like there's something to be learned if you want that or if you just want to be entertained there's that that's what i would aim for with original songs and i honestly think i've gotten better at it and written less like it's like i could do much better now than i've done in the past because I have all this perspective and the stuff that I'm working on, it just stays, it, it stays like half finished, but it's better. So like, 
it's up to me at some point to bring that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you do comedy as well, right? Is yeah. that still a thing? Yep. I mean, comedy, live entertainment hasn't been much of a thing, but uh, perhaps it is now. The, the last comedy gig I had that was sort of right before COVID, it was um, January of 2020. So. Hmm. You were talking about, uh, it was the, what were we just on? I was talking about the shows and, and music. Um, I was going to ask about something. We were talking kind of about like the the philosophy of the the difference between what what is like an individual Ocho thing versus all yeah. the projects that you're oh. yeah. that you're involved with because it it's it's staggering the number of things that you've either been involved with or started. Did you just get mm-hmm. caught up in all that through open mic being exposed to so many new people and artists and different vibes or? Was it, it how you like to explore music too? Um, it, it was again like this is never an interesting answer, but it was like for business because I I wanted I when I was started to be like okay I'm gonna do this for a living and I and I was phasing out my day job and whatnot I was like well uh, I'm good at at being a singer songwriter and presenting that and I can make some money from that um, but I didn't want to travel because um, I'd done enough of traveling. Um, and, you know, I might do it again, but at the time I was done with it. So when I was formulating my business plan. So um, I thought, well, if I'm going to stick around here, I can't necessarily play every week or twice or three or four times a week. Like doing that, it's going to lose interest, you know. So I so I was like, well, I, I have to do some other projects then and include other people, which is an appeal. And then um, other kinds of music and do covers. And so. That's when um, Betty and Ocho started, and that's when It Came From The 80s started, and that's when Nirvana started, because I, I knew that those were all, like, projects that I would enjoy playing the music, um, and, you know, Nirvana and it, it Came From The 80s were all covers, but they're all covers of songs that I liked that weren't too difficult to play is another thing, too. It's like I can't take on five projects if one of them is extremely demanding and technical, um, that then I'm pretty much got one project then, you know, um, hmm. and you, some of it's regrettable because you got to sacrifice playing real impressive music, you know. But I've never been that hmm. good at that anyway, so well, we <laughs> you don't have about, to be. You're talking about covers too, and yeah. how uh, maybe the audience doesn't need that. Um, and I was gonna maybe agree. I think one of the things that might happen is an audience member doesn't know how to interface with an artist that they don't know their discography. And so they have no choice really, but to be like, play a cover because it's just like they hear music and they're like, I won't, I I don't know this music. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the artist like hears, it's easy to hear that request and be like, Oh, maybe if I play more covers, my music will be more appreciated. But I think, it in general maybe it's just more appreciated by people who don't get it anyway like not really target audience sure but the loudest person in the room or something sure um but yeah that's cool uh playing with a with a band what what's it like trying to emulate or take inspiration from a, a specific band like that like a near uh, like nirvana, Nir- nirvana? Yeah. yeah um it's great i mean i I think like in some way I kind of always wanted to be Kurt Cobain anyway because that that's what I that was like 91 I was like 12 years old you mm-hmm. know that's when you want to like start 
being your own person and like it was it was like rebellious music and it was also very popular which isn't important to me but the fact that it was popular means that i heard it in pierre south dakota before the internet Mm -hmm. you know like there there wasn't a lot of rebellious type of music that you could hear because it didn't make it out there Mm. it really just died before it got there and, and uh I mean, we also started a whole punk scene in that town that was um, lived on for uh, probably 15 years. Hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say, you've told me some stories in the past about um, being in some like more extreme vocal projects that were when you were younger. (laughs) And, you know, maybe if someone encountered you on a patio nowadays, they might not, you know, have thought that that's where you started. No. But those were the first projects that you were in. Yeah. And did a lot of the inspiration for those come from Nirvana or? No. I mean, we were we were heavier than that. So we would have just said Nirvana was like for sissies or whatever, even though <laughs> we <laughs> liked loved it. it. <laughs> yeah. Even though we liked it. But uh, the drummer of that band was actually the very first drummer for Nirvana. And he because he, he only lived in Mankato for a little bit. So he didn't stick. But but uh, so, yeah, obviously we liked him. But the first band I was in was called Diseased, and um, they were a band before they had had three other vocalists before, or four maybe. Yeah, so I was like number four or five. Um, so I really was just joining, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed to fill the shoes, and I was in that band for seven years, though, and I just screamed my head off and, and wrote angry lyrics. And... Um, and I think they were intelligent, angry lyrics, you know, but they were, but that's what I did. And, and like, um, I got, I'd have people's blood on me from the mosh pit and stuff. And I, cause we just played on the floor and mm-hmm. like, we weren't against playing on stage. I've seen bands like refuse to play on the stage and stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it, it was, so our, our influences were like Napalm Death and, uh, the Exploited and Sepultura and, uh, some some hardcore and punk bands and death metal and and stuff like that and what what ended up resolving that project did you have you ever lost interest in that type of music or is it just something you don't perform as much nowadays yeah it's just i mean it it isn't it's hard man <laughs> it's it's hard to pull off getting older it's hard to pull off and unless you really love it um cuz it's it's a hobby you know you're not going to make any money doing it um, I was in a band, a, a black metal band called Acanthostega in Mankato in uh, 2014, 15. And um, we were like, honestly, um, much more successful, like financially than I had expected. So, um, and that's always on my mind, um, doing it for a living, you know. And um, and in those days, it especially was, I mean, it's less so now, like I'm, I'm trying to get at, but it's, um, it was, it was a grind, in the beginning, of course, to like make a living as an entertainer in Mankato, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it was a risk taking on that project. But people would be like, oh, you're in a black metal band, like like with the face paint. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, with the face paint and the spikes and the leather and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, with the blast beats and the growling and everything, you know. And um, Were you vocalist in that band? No, I was lead guitar. Huh. And, uh, and so... And I wrote most of the music too, and it's very dissonant and um, doomy. And uh, you can still check out some of our songs 
You can find us on YouTube. There aren't a lot of Acanthostega uh, names out there. It's the name of a of a prehistoric lizard that crawled out of the water. So <laughs> it was like a, it was like an evolution. You know, it was kind of the metaphor. Uh, but but no, that's like you say, that's where I started. So it's not a big surprise. I know like you'd think I'm a folk singer or whatever, but I I really like a lot of music, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you you keep coming around to the business thing, which I think is I do. A, because you, you taught me a lot of lessons about that when I was thinking about setting up Triple Falls. And like we had a lot of talks is like, well, how are we going to make a business like this sustainable? And I, I probably brought up Ocho like 50, 60 times. In yeah, that. And I remember like, talking to Willis about it, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it is just kind of like that diversity and like focus on performance and like, you know, making sure that it is applicable to the area. Because you can you can just push it for you can push your passion project forward forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may or may not work out as mm-hmm. well for you financially as it does for your happiness. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's making uh, it's definitely been about compromise and like whatever selling out, you know, so just say just say it just like I'll be guilty, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not I don't think it's like any like how could anyone who, you know, works for a living like collects a paycheck ever accuse someone of selling out like yeah. <laughs> you know like unless you're a business owner like yeah you yeah. you you sold something <laughs> and if you're sure. a business owner like myself I mean you're selling out for your customers yeah. You know? yeah I'm you know you know there's that meme going around now again that's like explain what you do for a living badly and I said that I give people tinnitus and I encourage them to be alcoholics because <laughs> that is where the money comes from yeah it, it comes from from selling liquor most of the time i mean some play, times i'll play at an art center or something like that and it comes from a grant or whatever um and mm-hmm. yeah but that's where it's where it's been coming from is from people buying drinks and thanks for buying drinks that's all i can say like it's, it's a good thing to spend your money on yeah well if we're, any of us are playing it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I was wondering about that, uh, just that idea in general, what the, the, so much music is centered around the idea of bar culture and a lot of that kind of consumption of intoxicants atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. wonder how that evolves over time, whether it will. I mean, it definitely keeps some people away. I mean, yeah. there, there are some yeah. people who can't, you know, they just can't be in the environment. It mm-hmm. would be cool to have some kind of, like medium-sized venue in Mankato. Like mm-hmm. imagine like a small Vetterstone somewhere where like people yeah. could get on stage and just play for the public if they wanted to. Yeah, just in a park or something. Yeah. I mean, places exist. Like that, that amphitheater in Sibley Park uh, could be that. Amphitheater in Sibley. I don't think I know it. Oh. Yeah, it's right behind the petting zoo. There's, the, there's bathrooms like attached to it. Oh, it's really? Just on the, it's just on the ground. It isn't elevated or anything. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I yeah. didn't like think about that as an amphitheater, but now that I do, it is shaped like an amphitheater. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You should go do something out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm I'm more down than ever to lose money on projects. So <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up if you got a crazy idea, I might do it. So <laughs> It seemed like when you were talking about some of the projects that you were involved in and uh experimenting with different ideas, sustainability was a it is an important thing that you think about. Yeah. I wonder if you could 
maybe connect that with some of the other projects you've done, whether it's like an open mic opportunity or, uh, mm -hmm. have you, you've done karaoke too, where you've yeah. just like, are, are those, I know with open mic, especially you're like very active and kind of mm -hmm. making it a really great time, which is super cool. We could talk about Thanks. that too, but I'm wondering yeah. about, um, just with those projects, like whether you see that as a as a good way to combine your artistic interests with like a profitable sustainable business and how you consider that kind of thing yeah well i mean i definitely think about sustainability and like um part of sustainability too to speak to that is um getting people that are reliable and and not necessarily like I mean, it kind of helps if people are popular and I think that's something nobody, nobody talks about that either. Like nobody talks about money and nobody talks about like being popular, but it's like, it's always there. So like, um, it helps when someone's popular in your band or if someone's a killer musician that helps in your band or whatever project. Um, but that might not be the most sustainable thing necessarily mm. because, um, someone who is just going to show up and like uh be sober and stay in town and not like have five kids and decide like oh i'm not gonna do this anymore you know someone who's kind of in it and you can't you can't make anybody commit to that or predict it but if you're trying if you're thinking about it from that mindset you know then um it's gonna be more sustainable you're gonna mm. have that for years so like like sorry i'm happy is is betty whom i married but we started out playing music together and then star McKenzie, whom I started out playing music together and it was 11 years ago now. So like she's been singing for me with me for that long and playing keyboard. So like that is, um, I, you can't ask for a better friend than that or a business partner, you mm -hmm. know, that's and you guys got that vibe too. Like you're in it together. You're yeah. like a wrestling tag team. When I think about you, like you're iconic as a pair, you know, <laughs> We should get like luchador masks. That would be sick. <laughs> I feel like that could really add to the vibe of the podcast. I don't know if that actually answered your question, but like that's why I just heard yeah. sustainable and I was it all together. That. Yeah. I yeah. like that you brought it to the idea of a shared long-term vision kind of, which is important, I think, especially among art where it's very it's very fast-paced, it's creative. It could be easy to like start a band with a lot of people, but mm -hmm. then like making sure that they're going to be around or have a s similar vision for how performances might look or mm -hmm. timelines, schedules, practicing. It's just a lot to coordinate with someone else. Kind of so. sucks though. Cause I, I really like like all those Canadian bands with like 30 members. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like animal collective or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah. I don't know, like uh man, who did broken social scene yeah them yeah. or godspeed you black emperor sure. like all those sure. bands like there's just a whole bunch of them that just sounds like so much fun i don't i don't know if they're actually i feel like those might just be i guess if you called up all your projects you might find yourself in a similar situation <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of uh what the summer is but it's just like a few at a time and zocho and friends you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's always been a cool project in and of itself where I feel like uh, your Ocho and Friends has, from what I've seen, you kind of pull from either the different bands you're a part of or even just 
uh, people who are regulars at open mic and yeah. give them a chance to kind of perform with you and yeah. do a cool show. Yeah. And open it, mic might be coming back too. I should, ooh. I'm talking about it with pub 500 this week. So, um, I fingers kind of, crossed. We I kind it. of assumed that it had been back at Pub 500. I just didn't know <laughs> no, that no, it hadn't been yet. Yeah, yeah. Are they doing any shows? Nope. They have not done any entertainment yet. They, I don't think they've brought back anything. Poker or uh, um, whatever, pool league, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I was talking to them uh, about a month ago, and they said, yeah, we're talking about bringing that stuff back. So, you know, let's keep in touch. And then... Uh, Last week they said, "All right, we'll meet with you next week." So I haven't met with them yet, but good things. Um, you know, it's hopeful. So, so if yeah. everyone who watches this tweets them, says, "Hey, get Ocho back," <laughs> yeah, or just beat on the door, like <laughs> yeah. get out there with signs and be like, "We want open mic." There have been a lot of people beating on my door, you know, which is cool. Um, but the whole time, it's kind of weird. Like you know, if you're doing that in February, and it's like, well, we're mid pandemic and there's the most cases we've had and the most hospitalizations and deaths we've had. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you (laughs) wait until the spring or till numbers go down before you start asking me about sticking your face up to a microphone that somebody else just had, you know, like, yeah, it's also abrupt. Like I didn't, I didn't see this last opening as like coming the way it did, you know, mm-hmm. when it was just like, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, it's two o'clock and there's no masks and a hundred percent occupancy. Oh yeah. I was just like, Oh, I mean, okay. Like I've always kind of like been the sacrificial lamb in this situation, but mm-hmm. why not? Cause sure. you know, at, at this point, it like the only people you're telling to wear masks anymore are people who just don't care about you anyways. Like everyone is either wearing yeah. it or not at this point. I do know some folks who like, will get vaccinated though who aren't yet so Mm -hmm. um although it doesn't help to boss people around yeah but i just resent that especially americans i ask of course it's part of our culture like i couldn't have struck out on my own if i were an american probably you know it's just that Mm. individuality that like like i tell people i got i'm doing this to spite my dad when it comes down to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because your dad's a judge right yeah, uh, he's a preliminary hearing examiner, which is, it's like a judge. He decides if this goes to trial or not. So, hmm. yeah. Um, so not a trial judge, but still a type of judge, yeah. Um, yeah. And he probably doesn't even remember it, but he gave me very little advice about what to do with my life, which I appreciate because he and my mom are always very like, um, you're a smart kid, you'll figure it out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but one thing is like, he's like, we're real proud of you with your music stuff that you're doing. This is when I was in disease to this extreme metal band. Right. So <laughs> screaming my head off and he was proud of me, but he said, uh, he's like, you know, he's, this isn't the kind of thing you can do for a living. And I was just like, yeah, I know. And cause at the time I wasn't interested in doing it for a living, you know? And, uh, when I, after I went to grad school and spent all of that money and decided to do it for a living, like. I know that uh, he was disappointed and stuff. Because mm-hmm. you were a psychologist for a while too, right? I was, yeah. I was a, a mental health counselor. Not licensed psychologist, but a, but a counselor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got my master's in mental health and uh, did that for a few years. Rarely full time. So did mm-hmm. not a lot at all, honestly. Yeah. I was, I was all right at it. Was that before... <laughs> 
because you you spent a period of time like actually traveling the country and playing out of a van mm-hmm. too right was mm-hmm. that before was it like you quit psychology and decided that you were going to do the traveling thing or you did the traveling thing and decided to become a psychologist? Well, it's a, it's a good question because what happened was um, when I was in grad school, I had to get counseling as part of my program. So mm-hmm. I did. I, I don't have any uh, mental illness. So um, I'll, a lot of I just obviously have stuff to work on and everybody does. And I think you should go to therapy if you're well or sick or whatever. Like if you got good insurance, you, you can or if you can afford it or whatever, like go. Cause it's great for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find, if you find the right therapist, you know, it's like you might have to shop around, but anyway, that's just a plug for therapy because it, it did so good for me when, when I was in school and they were like, you have to go 10 times, you know, like fine, I'll go 10 times. I mean, I went 50 times, you know, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I went every week for a year. And, um, what I, what I learned was that I, about myself was that I was just doing plan B you know, I was like, this is plan B. Like this, what I would really like to be doing is getting up on stage and making people clap and laugh and, and enjoy themselves like in that way. And, um, and I just thought it couldn't happen, you know, you know? So, so the plan was I will go, uh, since, since I didn't spend all of my student loan money, I'll, I'll take it and I'll go on tour for a year. And then, um, when I lose all that money, I actually made it last like a year and a half. So mm-hmm. when I lose all that money, then I'll go to work. And that's what I did. And then I start. I still was doing gigs and I was like, you know, just formulating the plan. I was like, yeah, I can, I can do it now. When, it, when I knew I could do it, I could do it. And then I cut it loose. I cut my career loose and started my new career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny that you say that thing about, or it, it's not funny. It's more just like. I see that a lot with the plan B thing yeah. because it's, it's almost startling dealing with MSU students as much as I have working in the bar scene Sure, where you talk to them about their plan and it, it's almost like you, they, they yell, everyone tells you about like what your like manage your expectations after college. And this is what the job market is like. And this and the other thing. Sure. And like their plan seems to often be to graduate. Like I'm just going to graduate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it, it does kind of just sound like that plan B personified thing. Like, you know, it's the safe thing to do is graduate, or at least that's what you're told. But yeah. like, you just kind of like stay dreaming, you know, especially at that age when your, your brain is so active with like ideas of what mm-hmm. life could be like, cause mm-hmm. you just haven't yeah. done the whole thing yet. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I mean, I, I think that's, it's just poor, like in this country, probably throughout. I mean, I don't know what all the schools are like, but it's just poor preparation for making a living. Um, mm. Other than the things that you learn, like do what you're told. I mean, sit in the, in the chair and then get up and have lunch and then go back to the chair. And like, that's all good. That's all good <clears throat> for making a living. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's all good for making a living, but like I didn't learn anything about how to like be self-employed or um, I didn't know what my career was going to be like until I started doing an internship in grad school, you know, Mm. like my second year of grad school, like that's, that's six years into my, into my higher education, you know? So uh, what your uh, would be counseling career would be like. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what that was like until I started doing it, but you (laughs) 
<laughs> You're just like, I want to tell people what to do. You can. <laughs> it's amazing how much stuff I learned. Like I remember being in, in supervision at like my first supervision session in, uh, in grad school. And my supervisor told us, she said, uh, an emotion is called a feeling and it's because something that you feel in your body. And if someone says that they're feeling like you're being a jerk, then they're not paying attention to their feelings. They need to be directed to their feelings. Their feeling is anger because anger is something, you know, they have to tell you, you don't tell them what their feeling is, but <laughs> their feeling is something you feel in your body when you're angry you feel like I feel this warmth in my chest and this like activity, like this electricity. Some people see red, some people's vision narrows. You know, you're, if you're sad, you feel heavier. You feel like like a lump or something like you feel things. They're called feelings. Those are that's what emotions are. If someone's talking about anything else, they're not talking about emotions. I never knew that. You could tell that to a four year old, though. You know, like you, you could teach kindergartners what feelings are, but I never even learned until I'm going to be a professional at this. You know, you know what I mean? That is true. I, I, don't, I don't think I received any emotional coaching like outside of like just talking to people Yeah. where you realize that some people just don't. like. And it is like the number one skill. Like being able to talk to people is probably the most important skill I think anyone could possibly have because otherwise, like, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I guess you could work on commissions or, you know, like you could be mm -hmm. like the best guy on Fiverr or something. You don't ever sure. want to deal with people, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's crazy that we don't talk about that or like we don't have ethics in grade school classes or talk about philosophy sure. because like the why is really important to children. And I think, I think when they get into like the more of like, you need to make your own decisions, the why bomb kind of drops, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all of a sudden, like you are accountable for your why instead of mm -hmm. like everything else like you've jumped through hoops your whole life and now yeah. all of a sudden it's like well what you just you didn't you didn't think that, that was going to happen like yeah <laughs> like this is this is the obvious path yeah mm. and i feel like i feel like millennials have gotten uh that right like they've noticed it and called it out endlessly mm -hmm. you know and that's great because like i was thinking the same stuff in 1996 you know i was like I was like, boy, uh, nobody really has prepared me for any of this. It's like I'm supposed to go to college and I'm because I'm smart, you know, because yeah. I'm a smart kid. I'm supposed to go to college and this is going to be better for me later. You know, like, how do I know what career I want? How do I know, like, what to study, what to like to get there? You know, how would I how would I know that? No, no one has prepared me for that at all. You know, luckily. I kind of figured it out and I am pretty smart and I am also like have a pretty strong will and I can like, and I guess I got, I got to know myself and what I want to do, you know? But I mean, ironically, if I hadn't studied counseling, I wouldn't be able to do this because I learned so many things like about how to talk to people, like you say, you know, like, and I learned how to be assertive, which is important in business. I mean, it's key. And, and, uh, and to listen to people, you know, and if you're trying to make people happy, just listening to people and figuring out what they want, you know, if I can make my employer happy and I can make an audience happy, then I'm good as long as I'm happy too, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until you find out everyone wants to hear wagon wheel. 
And <laughs> yeah. That, that's the key to happiness. That's a good thing about humor is like you can, um, if you got a good joke about how everyone wants to hear wagon wheel, then like you do just now, like then uh, you don't actually have to play it. You, know? <laughs> you can just kind of, you can just kind of riff about wagon wheel for a second on stage and, and whatever. Yeah. They um, can just pine for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, there's that uh, uh, axis of awesome. They do this four chord song medley. Oh that yeah. Last forever. Um, yeah, wagon wheels in there. I mean, you could just play any any song with those with that chord progression, and uh, throw wagon wheel in there. Yeah, I <laughs> I like to do that. Like like Skulls by the Misfits has that same chord progression. So if someone wanted to hear wagon wheel, I'd probably play the Misfits, and then I would sing a verse of wagon wheel, and then go back into the Misfits and not really finish it. You know, mm. that's the that's the one five six four thing, right? Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to have it. I think it's one, six, four, five. Is it one? I don't know. It is. No, it is one. It is one, five, six, four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that is that there are a lot of songs just like that. Yeah. Don't oh. stop believing. Uh, I don't know. There's a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. If I can jump us back into, yeah. uh, some music stuff. I think with your role as a host for open mics and stuff, sure, I'm sure. sure you've had a lot of new and aspiring artists kind of come oh, across yeah. the yeah. the stage. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's, uh, I, I don't want to say advice exactly, but I wonder if there's like something that you see happen often and then uh, whether you've had experience with people who kind of find out their thing, mm-hmm. like what you'd tell someone who's following that path a little bit who's searching for their own artistic sure uh is this people who are trying to like succeed by like getting seen as artists or are these people who just want to like create or well i wonder if you see more of one thing and then people switch to the other thing or because i I think usually people start with the vision that they want to become some kind of sensation there's a lot of that. I mean, especially now, I yeah. think, um, cause of the, cause of all that TV, because of that American idol and the voice and all that stuff. And it's like, that's been, that's been a boon for hosting open mics, which, you know, I've, I've done for 10 years in Mankato and, and before that, I mean, my, my first open mic I hosted was at the coffee hag in, in 2000. So, I mean, we, we could say 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh consistently for for 12 but um the the thing about that is like it a lot of people have gotten to want to be popular and that's been good to get them up but that isn't my attitude at all it's just like i'm just making this available for you and you can use it how you want so if you if you want to use it to like get those chops and be be a polished performer and like and look pro to people you can but if Mm. it's also just like your hobby, you can do that too. I mean, um, I do try to manage some of the, the more obnoxious stuff, um, <laughs> but I don't really ever deny anybody any stage time. And some of it surprises me, you know, mm. like uh, Memphis Steve, people love that guy. Um, even though, I mean, he's patently obnoxious, I wouldn't really say like there's, there are other words to describe him, but that would probably go in there somewhere. Um, yeah, it's like avant noxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, 
as far as like if you want to be successful like that the people that have started out at open mic and that i've helped get started that have done that um the the bitter root band was one um kind country was was another one and I Reminds is another one. And while like I did help those guys get their start, they did not need my help. Mm. There's no way that they that they that me doing that was necessary for them. They they could have done that with or without me. So like I would say don't rely on it, but keep it as a thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um and Bitter Root Band got got really popular and they've gone through some member changes and stuff, but like they they play the festival circuit and all that, and they were like they were at the Savoy open mic that I did for which is five oh seven now, and Moonshiner before that, um, they were at that open mic every week, and mm. like clockwork, and they promoted it. They were like, we're gonna be at open mic this week, and they get another show and they tell people come down there, you know. Um, mm. But I, I booked a show with them and Kind Country, at and myself at Red Sky, and like. That sounds like a super lineup. That sounds like a festival headline. Yeah. Thing. But at the time, that was just Mankato, you know? Huh. And sometimes Mankato's like that. Some years it is. Some years it's not, you know? Yeah, so, certainly. And I think a lot of that does depend on, like, what the options for stages are a little bit. Like, you hear a lot of a lot of people really fondly re- talk about the Sugar Room. A lot of people really love to talk about Red Sky. Sure. Like, yeah. it's just... Like those are places that people remember. It, it, there were there was some kind of like cultural thing happening with those stages at yeah. the time, and it was important to the people. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were great venues, and like, there's always rose-colored glasses though. Like, nothing is as good as you remember it. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to go there. But my my point in maybe saying that is just like maybe now is as good, you know? Like, and maybe mm. now is just as good. And like, if it's not. I wrote there was a, there was a, an anthology that that was published about our punk scene in Pier that like was published because one of our one of our dudes our original crew who was in a band you know in Pier like which is like one of eight people that were in a band that he 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 uh, became a writer so he became affiliated with this small publishing group that like they like to publish things about things that were happening in the Midwest. And that like you wouldn't hear about otherwise. So our punk scene became one of the things. So I so I got to write for it, and and I, the piece I wrote was called "How to Push on a Wall," and I think it's very important. Like if things aren't happening, the analogy is if you push on a wall, you the wall isn't going anywhere. But you're still getting stronger and you're still learning things. If I hadn't tried to book diseased at like the VFW and Pier and get shot down, <laughs> <laughs> everywhere constantly as a teenager you know how crushing this could be for you Mm -hmm. to get shot down all the time like if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have tried you know Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know but but uh like so if things aren't how they like how you like them to be in your town wherever you are like maybe try making them that way and maybe get shot down you know and even if you don't succeed you'll get stronger and you eventually will get what you want maybe in another environment or maybe you just become a better person or at least you know who's saying no (laughs) (laughs) you learn a lot Hmm. yeah it's a good way of looking at it i think it um well it just gives 
the the action item to the person who's most responsible for it. I mean, like taking charge and reaching out to some venues and spaces, trying to set something up or yeah. meeting new people. I think that's what open mic was really great for is it's just kind of connecting mm-hmm. It's like reoccurring time when artists in the area um, knew that they could show up and see something that was cool mm-hmm. and inspiring or, or not or yeah. funny or yeah, it's just, I, don't know, I, I like, lear- I learned important. a lot. Maybe I learned a lot there cause I was, I was constantly there. I was there every time. Right. So like I, I watched people. I, I learned to like some songs that I don't think I would have liked had I not watched the small changes that the performer made over time and like sure, seeing them sure. make that like creative difference. That might've been a word or two, like, especially, especially with like, uh, like lyrical pieces, like watching people like turn a word or two around in a hip hop song or some of the comedy acts, like listening to Trevor Lee tell the same joke 50 different ways mm-hmm. to me really like got me into his perspective on how comedy should work. Uh-huh. Even if I didn't like every delivery, like I could at least see why he was changing the thing, sure, you know, maybe sure. in, from, I mean, how I would imagine his perspective would be. And like, I don't know. It it was it's like a very interesting it's an interesting it's an interesting space because it exists in between like performance and practice and like mm-hmm. all the different things. I, I, I definitely miss open mic a lot. Yeah. It's those rose colored glasses. Yeah. Because I, I probably didn't get done with work on Thursday night and be like, damn, I wish I could do that again. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes I leave and it happens all the time, like so inspired, don't want to sleep ever, you know, just like mm-hmm. that was that whatever I was doing. It's like that was the most beautiful thing. And I usually write about it during those times because um, that's the stuff I want to remember, you know, and then sometimes I'm just just really broken, too. So mm-hmm. like the the whole I think on every level, I think the entertainment industry is like, there's a lot of emotion in it. You know, there's a lot of emotional people. It's like the theater kids that I, that I hung out with in high school. Like they're very dramatic people, you know? And like, like I like to just say there's ego, you know, which it, it, it sounds like somebody's arrogant or something, but like, even if you have stage fright, like I just call that ego too. It's like, if I'm nervous, that's ego. That's me being self-involved that's why i'm nervous you know what i mean and it isn't it isn't a put down or anything like that it's just something that happens to people when you're going to get up in front of other folks and perform something because you got a bunch of people looking back at you and you're an animal and it's like being stared down by a pack of wolves and that's where your body goes like got to do something about this man <laughs> you're going to hide or are you going to fight? Or are you going to do something right now? And uh, that's the feeling. That was the feeling when I got in front of these cameras. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's probably the most important lesson that you've ever taught me personally is there's one time what we were, we were playing some covers, you, me and Megan. Mm-hmm. And you said the worst thing you could do is stop playing. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I have taken that advice into other parts <laughs> of my life <laughs> in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. So, keep, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. And I think it might have saved me that day, too. <laughs> I don't think I was ready on yeah. one of those. Uh, uh, yeah. And if you, if you do stop playing, just make it look on purpose. Like, yeah, I don't do this part. 
<laughs> one, two. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This is the breakdown right here. I'm sitting it, it out. <laughs> right in the middle of the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> There's breaks in the middle of choruses, you know. Usually it's like the last chorus, you know. There's a break. Yeah, it happens. Are there any, uh, I guess, projects or ideas, musical or otherwise, that you're excited about coming coming out of this here? Uh, interesting last year or two we've had. Yeah, uh, Garcho is the one I've been working on. It's a hip hop project with uh, myself and Ogar, so it's called Garcho because we took the O's out of both of our names. Okay. Um, uh, I was telling you guys earlier, Ogar was a drummer for uh, Face of Oblivion and for Septicemic and Glutton for Punishment and a number of other mm. Acanthostega also and a number of other metal bands, extreme metal bands. And um, he gave up drumming and he's, he's, been, he's always been a fan of other music as a vi and, and we've always been good friends. And he wanted, he wanted to sort of like write some things um, and after he's, he was sort of like said, he didn't want to write so much. He just wanted to perform this stuff. I was like, well, I'll write it for you. Hmm. Um, and he was going to pay me. This was our original agreement was he was going to pay me to write stuff for him to rap. Mm-hmm. And that started and that happened like for a bit. And then I was like, why don't we just do this together? And, and he was like, I don't know if I'd be holding up my end. I'm like, just hold up your end. You're in the band. So do, do whatever else you got to do. If you feel like you're not doing enough work, like whatever, he does plenty of work. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. he's one of these guys that is like, that I know I have a bond with and that this could last a long time. You know what I mean? And that this, like I was saying, this is like a working relationship and Mm. a friendship. So, um, we've been writing, it's been so far sort of, uh, emo hip hop. Um, our first song is about death and loss and we wrote, the first one we're going to release actually is called Red Light. It's about um, giving up at your art, mm-hmm. uh, which I think a lot of people think about and maybe don't necessarily say. And there aren't a lot of songs saying, I'm just going to give up. So um, switched on the red light, waste of breath, blowing unloaded dice, threw one punch and I missed twice. Fell so slow it feels like flight as I take a dive in this rigged fight as I sacrifice my sacrifice as I slide into midlife and I still ain't done shit right. So getting getting mm. older and uh, wondering why you're still doing all this stuff. Um, and then our, our, thir- <laughs> our third song I actually wrote a long time ago. It's called Real Bad Dad. And it's about uh, not having children, not wanting them. Mm. And... Uh, going so far as to be a deadbeat and running away if you were to accidentally impregnate someone. So it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's an entertaining song. And I, I find that parents think it's funny and that uh, rappers think it's funny. And it's, it's gotten good, good reviews. Who's, who's producing the beats? Are you um, taking uh, he's, that on? He's doing the beats. So he's, he's using Ableton oh, cool. and making the beats. Um, so I feel as though the work is pretty equal, honestly. Um, we got a beat that I, I sort of made a few drum loops, um, that I recorded live and, um, he's going to use those. 
So it's kind of fun to just play a hi-hat to a metronome, you know, <laughs> just be like throw that in there and then play a snare, you know, and just throw that in there. Like it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So we, we do have some different ways we're going to go about getting beats. Real Bad Dad is a mashup. It's all samples of, of your kind of trailer trash anthems, like Eye of the Tigers in there and uh, Paradise City and Back in Black and, you know, things, hmm. things like fun, that. So fun, fun stuff. Yeah, rock, you know. Yeah, and then it's like the the hip hop mashup. Yep. That's Heck cool. yeah! Sounds like a fun project. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. And then um, O'Shate released some stuff during the pandemic. That's uh, Shane and myself. Uh, just videos and sorry, I'm happy did as well. Like I got the studio with the control room and then the tracking room. And so if I had a guest over. They would wear their mask in and they would walk in and they would go in the control room and shut the door. And then we can just jam that way because there's mics mm. in there and there's mics out here and there's speakers in there and there's speakers out here. So we were just jamming. Um, we had some par- some parties that way, some double dates, like come over and, and uh, we'll sing karaoke through the, through the <laughs> window to each other yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so that was a good way to pass time during the pandemic. And as a, creative use of of a studio space you know it's just like a totally i wonder yeah. how many other people adopted their their studio glass into yeah. a, a a viral barrier <laughs> yeah it it just by stroke of luck there wasn't there isn't even a vent in that room so anybody coming in they're not they're not really sharing their air throughout the house you mm. know um then there's a window, so we would we would open the window. They would open the window when they left, and then shut the door. Even if it was twenty below, we still did it just to air out the room and respect the health crisis, you know. Mm. Um, uh, so so O'Shea got some stuff done, and Sorry I'm Happy got some stuff done, and Garcho got some stuff done, and Betty and Ocho, you know, we live together, so we got, <laughs> we didn't practice that much, but whatever. <laughs> We, we've more been practicing if there's gigs, so we're practicing more now. We got Spiral Brewery in Hastings. That's coming up. That's the only like real Betty and Ocho show. And I think we're doing Pleasant Grove Pizza Farm too. But shout out to all the venues for real. Like even if I don't necessarily, maybe I'll just list all my shows. It seems like things are winding down. So uh, Sunday, July 4th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the 507 with Braden Salisbury. And all these are with Kyle Hansen also if you want to see him on the bass. Tuesday the 13th at Mankato Brewery uh, with Evan Masters probably, 6 to 8 p.m. Thursday, July 15th, Pleasant Grove Pizza Farm, 5 to 7 p.m. with Betty. Wednesday, July 28th at the 507, 6 to 9 p.m., all these patio shows are dependent on weather too, so you should plan on coming to all of them just to make sure you can make it to one. That's when that one's with Mac and Cheese on July twenty eighth. It's also Shane's birthday, so he's gonna be there. Uh, July twenty fourth at Weggies, five to eight p.m. and uh, August eighth at Spinners, two to four p.m. That's a Sunday, and those are all the ones I wrote down. I got some more after that, but. Check me out online, you know, Ocho Tunes on Facebook or Ocho Means 8 is my personal Facebook. I'll be your friend. Ocho Tunes on YouTube, OchoTunes.com, Ocho Tunes, Ocho uh, Means 8 on uh, Instagram and Snapchat. And that might be it. Nowhere on any music streaming, nowhere on Spotify or Apple Music or anything, but 
I got music on YouTube, which YouTube remains the best way to listen to music in my mind. So <laughs> maybe I'm 43. I don't know, but that's, it's still like <laughs> such a good, it's such a good platform because you can, you can read comments, which are terrible if you're like looking at some political thing or some current events thing. But if you're looking at like, I was at that show in 1976 or something. I mean, that's great. You can yeah. hear somebody's story about how they met the band and how they worked with them. Like people leave those in YouTube comments all the time and half of them are lies, but listen to music on YouTube. Ocho tunes. Cool. Prime example. Yeah. Well, you, you just answered all of our outro <laughs> questions. So I thought, I thought it might be wrapping up. So yeah. So yeah. I think just we fine. just, we will we'll we? call it there then. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Like, I don't know if other people say this cause I don't listen to the end either, but like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving people a voice. Like I have so much stuff that I can say about myself and what I've been doing. And like, yeah. um, people listen to you in general for a little bit, not for this long. You know what I mean? If you want to talk about yourself. So mm-hmm. like, thank you so much for, for doing that. Well, we're glad to have you and yeah. we hope to keep doing it for a long, long time. All yeah. right. I hope so too. Done. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. You can find show notes for this and every episode at triplefalls.org. Thank you.